When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. People will always remember Miles Garrett as the guy that could have killed a football player on a football field by taking his helmet and swinging it like a weapon, like a jackhammer, like a sledgehammer. And that is something that he's going to have to overcome over years. And if he leads the Browns to Super Bowl titles, it won't erase this night. It will always be a part of his resume from this moment on, going forward, and the NFL will tack onto it today by handing down what we imagine to be the stiffest suspension in NFL history. That was Adam Schefter on ESPN. This is Purple Daily on Score North on 1500 scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Like I said yesterday, if the voice didn't give us away, stream us live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook, and you will see I am not a tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed white man, and I am not Matthew Collar. I am a short, brown, dark-haired, brown-eyed man, and my name is Rami Makloff. I got Jonathan Harris on the other side of the glass. Declan is in here getting the stream for you, and we got Alex Boone, former Vikings offensive lineman, along for the two-hour ride. You ready to do this, Booney? Rami, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Dude, is this the, is this the hour we bash Matt? Uh, that, next hour? We'll save that for next hour. Love and, it. By the Love way, it. I got to say, I'm excited to do a show with Alex Boone because I've sent out a lot of show prep emails and rundowns and things <laughs> of the sort. I've never gotten the response. I'm so, all capital letters, so bleeping excited for today. Don't forget the bleep Matt Collar segment. Phil isn't prepared for this bleep today. This is the kind of energy I want to work with day in and day out, the energy of an Alex Boone. I'm ready for this. I'm 100% ready for this. This is it. We're we're mid-season. We're ready to go. We've hit our apex, bro. We're not coming down for the rest of the season. It's go time. Let's do it. Football. 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 Let's football it up. And we start with a not-so-pleasant story, Alex Boone, and a couple different elements to this story. First, the NFL held up the indefinite suspension that's, uh, that was handed down to Miles Garrett for last week's brawl on Thursday Night Football when he used his helmet to try and strike Mason Garrett, the quarterback of the Steelers. Marquise Pouncey's ban has been reduced to two games from three games following the appeal. Your thoughts, Alex Boone? Number one, that's such a Derek Brooks move. Like, you know what? Not three, two. <laughs> really? <laughs> really, DB? I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. We used to have a, we, I've had a few conversations with DB about some things, right? And you would talk to me back, listen. Should have got him on the show today. I almost tried, but then I was like, as I'm calling him, I go, man, he can't talk about anything that they talked about. And he can't tell us what he thinks about Miles Jarrett because he can't get in trouble. So I'm like, there's really no point to bringing him on. And then he's like, well, maybe we could talk about some of the stuff that we've talked about. And I was like, no, he can't talk about that again. So... 
But for me, this is typical Derek Brooks. Like, hey, listen, we get it. He probably saw it and was like, dude, I get the footage. I get what you're doing. I totally understand why you did it. But still, you're stomping a dude on the goal line. We have rules in this league, and there's little kids that watch this game, so you have to understand our side. And I'm sure that Marquise was like, listen, dude, I totally get it. Everybody has to walk away like we all got punished. But I'm telling you right now, everyone would, before this came down was like, it'll be five games. How dare somebody be like, five games for taking your helmet off and swinging it at another player? And not only that, but connecting on the other end. Like, dude, that's a serious problem. And you have to make it crystal clear, this will not be tolerated. Some people in life draw the short stick. Miles Garrett just drew the short stick. I'm sorry, dude. They're going to make an example out of you because they don't ever want to see that again. So you're okay. You're saying that this is, this is just, this is right. The NFL is doing the right thing in upholding this indefinite suspension. I called it as soon as it happened. I was like, listen, they're going to have to. Yeah, you to sent us that text before the show just, just to, to prove, prove to that you, you did yeah. indeed call it. Yes. They can confirm to... I got it at the time that he did send it. <laughs> it's, but it, I get why they're doing this. It's because they're drawing a line. Listen, we will let certain things go. We get it. It's an emotional game. Tension will rise. You're going to fight. We get it. You're going to punch each other and get crazy and say mean things to each other. That doesn't really bother us. It's kind of fun. The audience likes it. When you take it to a level that you could possibly kill someone, people are like, dude, that was too much. I mean, there was coaches that were like, dude, that's just too much. Like, even the guys that praise you for being violent are like, bro, that's way too much for us. That's, you, you've taken the, the football element out of it, and you've turned it into a street fight. And that's not what these owners want anyone to see. Okay, when it originally happened... I stepped back and said, everybody take a deep breath and relax for a second, because I felt like there was some overreaction to all this, including what we heard to start the show with Adam Schefter. To say this is all Miles Garrett will ever be remembered for, no matter what he does. That's a lot. I've made this comparison before, and I'm going to make it again. Ray Lewis may or may not have had someone killed. He has a statue outside his team's stadium. That's a thing, and that and, and we don't talk about that anymore. And a lot of other guys have done a lot of bad things, worse things. Things than what Miles Garrett did and are praised and are revered now by NFL fans because they were able to win trophies and secure large contracts. So that's kind of ridiculous. Saying that he should be charged with a crime like my cohort Judd Zolgad did, I thought was a little bit ridiculous and a slippery slope that we're going down. But the one thing that I did say that day was this indefinite suspension that they handed down almost immediately was fair. I came in yesterday, Alex, and said... Even I was overreacting to say that that was fair because of what Miles Garrett brought up in his appeal, which is precedence. And this has been done before on a football field. It was, uh, I forget the guy's name now. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Antoine Smith, do I have the right yeah. Smith? Yeah. Swung a helmet at Richie Incognito. He got suspended for two preseason games and one regular season game. There is precedence for this. And beyond that, Alex, I've seen a lot of guys, including the entire dais on the Fox NFL pregame show, say, look, we know how ugly that looked to people who are on the outside of the football world, but we've all seen this. Jimmy Johnson, Howie Long, uh, Michael Strahan, and uh, who's the fourth guy on that panel? Fourth former player coach, Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw. They all said, we've seen that in practice. Michael Strahan said he did that, and it's one of his greatest regrets of his NFL career, but there was no punishment handed down because it happened in practice. And I understand practice is one thing, the game is the other, but this isn't 
unprecedented. It's a violent and passionate game. And when things go and are escalated to the next level, what is the next level? The next level is what Miles Garrett did, which you can't do. But how is one guy suspended effectively for one game? Because who cares about the preseason? And now Miles Garrett, for doing the same thing in a game, is suspended the rest of the season, five games and potentially the playoffs, and maybe more because they're not putting a number on it still. Dude, this is a different league, okay? The league back in the 80s, the league in the 90s, and the league in the 2000s, those are three different leagues. I've heard stories from everybody. Dudes in the 70s, I was like, bro, I should have lived then. Dudes in the 80s, I was like, that is amazing. Dudes in the 90s, you're like, all right, you're starting to get in a lot of trouble. And then now, people are starting to care more. I get it. Things happen in practice. Dude, I've seen crazy things happen in practice, too. It's practice. It's with your team. It's with guys that you know, and you know on an intimate basis, and you're with all day, so eventually they're like your brothers, and you're like, dude, you're driving me nuts. I swear to God, we're going to fight. We're going to do it right now. <laughs> yeah, I've fought my and, brother. Right, you do, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, knock down, drag out, yeah. bloody you fights. Love there are broken noses right. at the end. Yeah. You're like, dude, I'm going to give you the best fight of your life. I promise. <laughs> like, I'm going to make this fight worth it, right? Because I used to tell the story to everybody. Harbaugh used to find you. For every punch you threw, you got to fight. So, I mean, if you were going to throw that punch you better it make better, sure it's worth it boy it better be a haymaker better get your buddy's worth and you better have everybody like oh dude that right. was worth it just like because, i knew i was gonna be grounded so i better right. swing hard when i fight my brother when you take your helmet off on a thursday night game in front of a million people that's different i'm sorry i don't know how else to explain but see, it to you and you but can't. that's but that's and look i'm not here to defend a guy who swung a helmet at somebody else he crossed a line you can't cross right. and thank god it didn't land. So that's not what I'm here to do. But I'm skeptical of the NFL more than I am anybody else involved in this situation. And the NFL has a history of handing down penalties not based on the actions and whether or not the penalty equals the action, but based on public reaction. And I don't think that's the right way to dole out justice. The only reason the NFL is coming down this hard on Miles Garrett is because of what you said. It happened on a Thursday night football game where the whole football world was watching. And there was outrage and there was disgust. And that's what NFL, that's what Roger Goodell and the NFL respond to. It's why Ray Rice got a two game suspension until we all saw the video of him punching his girlfriend and then it became the rest of the season. Right. And that's why I don't know why everyone's so surprised. Like, like, oh my God, indefinite. Like, yeah, you can't even blow on the back of a neck of a quarterback without getting a penalty. You took his helmet off and beat him with it. Like, what do you want him to do? They're, this is a league that turns around and says, listen, we care about our quarterbacks, but then is going to allow this. It's just not possible. It's not feasible. Any way the league looks at it, they're like, hey, listen, we're going to look bad any way, any which way we go, right? Because, we give them five games or ten games, whatever. Someone's going to turn around and go, well, Vontez Burfick's now upset, right? Like, there's so many people that you start pulling into this conversation. But the truth is, this has really never happened. I get it. Listen, things happen in practice, but we don't talk about them because, you know what? There's a reason we close off practice to the public. There's a reason that happens. It's certain things that happen aren't brought up or talked about, and people can't look at us and be like, oh, my God, look at these guys. They're crazy. It's because when you go out on Sunday, you're a well-polished team, and when you do things like this, people are like, well, what is going on behind closed doors? What are they talking about? You see Freddie's kind of getting pulled into this now. Hey, where's the discipline on this team? What's Freddie yep. doing about all this? You know, I mean, there's so many people now that are getting pulled into this one, and I get it. The truth is, it's making such a rage because it happened on Thursday night in front of everybody, and it was the first time that someone's really connected with a helmet like that, and it was like, man, we've all thought about it, but we never thought it would just look so bad. Now, the other wrinkle into this whole thing came out today via Josina Anderson of ESPN, who Alex Chi says 
During an appeal with the NFL on Wednesday, Miles Garrett alleged that Mason Rudolph directed a racial slur at him just prior to last week's brawl on Thursday night football. And Mason vehemently, according to a Steelers spokesman, denies the report of being accused of using a racial slur during the incident Thursday night in Cleveland. He will not discuss this accusation any further, and his focus remains on preparation for Sunday night's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a uh, pretty... Serious accusation getting thrown out there by Miles Garrett. Bro, bro, that's a no-no. Okay? Yes. I'm telling you right now that there was four dudes in that scrum, and if one word would have been said, there would have been three other dudes like, whoa, whoa, bro, that's not how we're playing. That has never – I mean, I can tell you a story about we were playing uh, the Bears. Mm-hmm. I was in San Francisco, and mm-hmm. we had a, a, uh, one of our centers, a backup. He was in the game late, and he was from the South, and he used to say Bo a lot. He'd be like, hey, Bo. And so you'd kind of laugh. Well, he was talking to Charles Tillman, and he was like, oh, my gosh, Charles Tillman. He goes, hey, Bo. Charles looks at him. He goes, you just call me boy? (laughs) Instantly, everybody goes, nope, nope, nope. Charles, not at all what he said. Swear on him. He's like, are you sure? Because it sounded. I was like, nope, listen. He did not at all in any way say anything like that. Like there, that is a line because a guy with a thick Southern accent. Yes. And so if, if you start saying something like that, you had better be right. Because if that's another lie that you're just throwing on top of it, now how does it look? It just looks even worse. And poor Mason Rudolph, now everyone's going to be like, did he say it? Did he not say it? Maybe he did. You know, I mean, like you just start throwing this kid's reputation under the bus. So you don't buy it. You don't think that this can be true based on what you've seen and, and heard I, I, on a football field. They're going to find out. Everyone's mic'd now. Everybody's mic'd. Quarterback's mic'd. Two guards all over to the pile were mic'd. Everybody was mic'd in that situation. So if there was a word said, they're going to find out by the end of the day. And that, that was that was my first thought. What you said is that if, if this was said on the field, even Mason Rudolph's own teammates oh, yeah. aren't coming <laughs> to his defense. That That's, no. that's just simply not going to happen. The only time, because I've watched the footage of this thing like frame for frame, time and time again, Alex, Everybody just, yes. just to make sure I had my facts straight when I came on here and and pointed out Mason Rudolph's blame in all this. The only time in that whole series of events that that could have happened and Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett were the only two people who heard it would be when Garrett is on top of him at the very beginning of the scrum and the whole thing just pops off because there wasn't really anybody nearby who would have heard that. If he just said it right into his face mask, that's the only time that it could have been said. I don't want to dismiss Miles Garrett's accusation outright because it's a serious one and if it's true, I think we should know and the NFL oh, yeah. should know and, and Absolutely. The, the proper the proper punishment then should be doled out to Mason Rudolph, but that that's 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 a really really big accusation that he's throwing out there right now. Absolutely. And I, and you know what? I was actually kind of not surprised, but I was I was happy that everybody on the Steelers quickly took Mason's side. Like, listen, man, if this is true, why didn't you say it earlier? And second off, we're all going to know by the end of the day because the NFL is going to have to go back and look at this. Because I think if you're, if you're starting to say things like that, then, yeah, the situation changes. I can understand all of a sudden now why you're heated. I get that. Like, all of a sudden, that would change the whole dynamic of that situation, in my opinion. And I mm-hmm. think the league would even look at that like, wait a minute, we got to relook at this one, guys. That changes the whole landscape of everything. I've been playing a uh, a disclaimer on the show whenever we talk about Miles Garrett. I don't know if Jonathan has that handy, but I'm basically just saying before I go on to point out other people and other things that were wrong about the situation. I don't. I'm not excusing Miles Garrett for anything he did. If if what he is saying is true, 
the accusation he's making for Mason Rudolph is true, we can scrap that disclaimer because I 100% excuse yeah. Miles Garrett for his actions if he's if he's telling the truth about what Miles Garrett said or what Mason Rudolph said to him. Dude, that would be intense. I mean, that would have that that's a fight that has escalated quickly. I mean, I, I've seen guys say things, but never to that level where it's like, dude, we, we're we're talking about race now. This is the one thing we promised we would never do, and we're doing it. Like this is no, no. But I'm telling you, they're going to know by the end of the day because everybody in that scrum, the ref was probably even close enough to be mic'd up to hear it. Like they're going to have to go back. That's a serious accusation. Hey, listen, he, he called me this. Whoa, oh, whoa, wait a minute now. Now I feel bad though because, like I said before, whether it's true or whether it's not true, somebody's still going to believe that he said it based off that accusation alone. Now, if we can definitively find that it's not true, Aaron, I would, I would. Uh... I would go ahead and extend the suspension of Miles Garrett for making, for making it up for making that that serious of a false accusation. I'm not I'm not even kidding. That's not something. Yeah. Just like you can't have guys throwing around and swinging around helmets, you can't have you can't have guys throwing around and, and swinging around accusations like that. No, that's pretty serious. I mean, that's a serious one, and I think that's why some of the guys are really upset right now. Like, dude, if this isn't true. That's going to be really shameful that somebody would have to go to that level to be like, listen, you know, this is why I did it instead of just owning it, you know, and saying, hey, listen, I did it. I mean, I I don't. I'm just I'm so baffled right now because this is all like coming out of nowhere. All of a sudden, there's a there's a racial slur involved, and all of a sudden the NFL's still like, no, we're still going to indefinitely suspend you, which makes me think that they've already gone back, listened to the audio, and been like, okay, matter of fact, you come back on the line and tell us exactly where you heard this because we don't hear a thing. I mean, for him to say that, and then then the next day to come back and say, no, you're still suspended forever. They must have went back and been like, all right, we could not find anything that we sounds anything like anything other than get off of me. So you have to explain this to us. Right. And I, I, I really want definitive evidence of whether or not this well, is true because somebody did something really, really, really wrong bad. here. More, yeah. worse, and, worse than just swinging around a helmet, in my opinion. And, and the problem is, too, how, is pe- how are people finding out about this? Because I was always told that these were confidential meetings. Like when you sat down with Derek Brooks. It oh, was never you, believe that. Der- no, I never like, believe that. Alex. Well, because it was like things were talked about on both ends. It was like, okay, well, did he just say what I think he said? And other people are like, yeah, he uh, did, did he? I'm not. And you're like, well, okay, never mind. We're not allowed to talk about this anyway. So if you are saying that, who's leaking this information? That what's going on behind closed doors of, you know, the appeal process? I mean, is it? I mean, I know that when you're in the conversation, there's really only three people. So I'm pretty sure I know who it is. I'm never worried about who the leaker is. I, I want all the information I can get. That's that's always my stance. Is both just a just a regular old civilian and somebody yeah. who does what I do for a living. Every, every bit of info that you can get to me, get it to me by all, by almost any means necessary. I don't care who the leaker is or how they got that information to Josina Anderson. Got a tweet here from Ben, and I've been getting a lot of tweets to this effect since the the accusation that Miles Garrett made uh, was was brought to light. It says, if true, wouldn't it have spread through the Browns' locker room and players would have certainly mentioned it in the past week, or wouldn't Garrett have told the NFL this before the initial ruling last week? Too convenient to come out now. And I'll just say this. um, Sometimes when you're the victim of racism, you you think about how worth it is it going to be for me to 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 bring this up because it's it this is a huge now this is a yeah. huge another huge. huge element of this thing that Miles Garrett is going to have to deal with that that's something that and if you've never been in this position 
Don't even don't even come to me about this because I can tell you firsthand when you're the victim of racism and I'm I'm not nearly in the spotlight that Miles Garrett is. I can tell you one of the things that crosses your mind before you just accuse somebody of racism or put it out there that they were racist to you is this is going to cause some real strife in my life. And is it going to be worth it to bring it to light or do I just let this pass it? And that's that's a that's. That's a real thing that goes through somebody's mind when you're in the situation that Miles Garrett says that he was in. So I don't I don't think that the, the the notion that he waited too long to say this is necess- necessarily holds any water with me Alex because I can tell you that that that's something that goes through your mind when you're in the type of position that Miles Garrett says that he was in. Yeah, see listen, I obviously have never experienced this but I will say that I understand 100% what you're saying, that this is a huge accusation. And I can see why sometimes you're like, hey, listen, if I bring this up, it's going to be a big deal for everybody. And it's going to throw a lot of things. And I've obviously never been in this situation, but I understand what you're saying because now all of a sudden a situation that's huge has become even bigger. Right. And now I am worried the same thing that you are is that, number one, I've said this before, and I mean this. Race in the NFL is never an issue. It has never been an issue with the team that I've played on or any of my friends or any team that I've ever heard of has the white-black problem ever been an issue. So now you have officially said there's an issue on the field, and now you've brought two teams into it. And it's kind of like, dude, if he's right, yeah, that's a problem. If he's wrong, what does that mean? Like, you just went out and lied about this. Like, dude, the... the (laughs) I can't believe how big this situation is getting. It's getting—it's like growing even it's bigger. Spiraling. It's the first time someone's ever been banned from the NFL, and now it's getting bigger. And it's like, can it get any bigger? Yes. It's insane. I mean, I, they're going to have to really come out and address this issue. Yeah, and I'm sure there will be more that unfolds in this story. I, d- I don't think we're done getting developments in the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph story just yet. Just yet. And, and I hope you're right, Booney, that... If if that was said on the field, whatever Miles Garrett is saying was said on the field, that somebody somewhere has evidence of it, or if it wasn't said, somebody somewhere has evidence of that. And whatever the case may be, whether it was Mason Rudolph and he's guilty of what he's accused of, there has to be a serious penalty for that. And if Miles Garrett is just throwing around reckless, false accusations, I think there has to be a penalty for that as well. Agreed. I think Everyone's- that... Yeah, they need they need to get to the bottom of this and and dole out justice to whoever deserves it, because you can't be throwing around accusations like that if they're not true. And you can't be throwing around words like that, obviously, not just on a football field, but anywhere in society. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. We got to hit a break. I know we're about a minute early for it, Jonathan, but I don't want to start a new topic. And uh, we'll get into some Vikings right after this. I have a what if scenario for you, Alex Boone. I love it that you might people listening might think is crazy. I love it. The Vikings are 8-3. and three, And I think Mike Zimmer might be at risk of losing his job. I'll explain right after this oh. on Purple Daily on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated, stand behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour. Listen to Score North with the Amazon Alexa. Just say Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the 
soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say Alexa, open Score North. Stefan Diggs joined Good Morning Football this morning, and when they asked him about what was said at halftime to spark the giant comeback by the Vikings this last weekend against the Broncos, here's what he said was said by the coaches. Uh, I would say uh, going into halftime, you know, it wasn't as pretty as people would like to think. Um, it was a lot of words being said, all encouraging words. Our coach, everybody knows him. He's a grouch, and that's that's our guy. But join us now. Uh, scoring. So, question, but more importantly, half for the Vikings team. Uh, I would say uh, going into halftime, you know, it wasn't as pretty as people would like to think. Um, it was a lot of words being said, all encouraging words. Our coach, everybody knows him. He's a grouch, and that's that's our guy. But he went in with the right mindset of telling us that uh, we got to control what we can control. We didn't execute in the first half. We got a whole new half, whole new ball game, and, uh, you know, it was it was the right pep talk. Technical difficulties aside, that's been your score download. I think so. I don't Wasn't know user error? It might have been. Okay. But, no, that was the whole, yeah, whatever. That's been your Score North download. Hey, if you say it, I believe you. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500, <laughs> scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app live from the TCL broadcast studios. Rami Makloff along with Alex Boone. We're also streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. And, and Booney, there was a, a story that I thought was kind of crazy, but th- I feel like this might be one of those things that happens more often on the sidelines of NFL games or up in the booth of NFL games, and we just don't hear about. So the Vikings come out of the second half down 20 to nothing with the up-tempo, and they drive 75 yards and, and score in uh, 3 minutes and 31 seconds. They went to the no huddle, and this is from... Um, Oh, shoot. Chad, I think this is Chad Graff's article. I'll make sure I have that right in a second. Said they went to a no-huddled and called plays at the line of scrimmage with a position that offered initial hope. The only drawback to the plan is that teams usually have a finite amount of plays for their two-minute drill, so using up nine of those plays on the opening drive of the second half left the Vikings in need of some tweaks. What that meant was backyard sandlot football. After burning through a whole package of two-minute drill plays, Stefanski got out a whiteboard and marker and started drawing brand-new plays from scratch. Have you ever seen this? I've seen it, but not so much in a two-minute situation. I mean, normally you'll see a guy like at halftime, the coaches will come in and they'll have a list, two lists, and one is like the no list, and these are the plays we're not going to run, these are the plays we are going to run. And every once in a while, especially with a coach like Greg Roman, who used to love, I mean, like you think about a guy like that and a guy like Kevin Stefanski, they love to be innovative, right? This is the new thing in the league, and they got to stay young somehow, so they're like, hey, we're going to go in at halftime, we're going to do all this cool thing. They would put like two plays together in one, and they'd be like, listen, we like the front end of this, and we like the back end of this, so we're going to put it together, and this is what we're going to call it real quick. It's going to be the 90 series, and all of a sudden you're like trying to jot all these notes down, and you're like, wait, what are we doing? What the hell did he just say? We're <laughs> I gonna was just going to so- say, how do you, how Dude, do you digest you know, and process yeah. all this on the fly? Dude, it's incredible. They'll be like, we're going to put the front of zone and the back end of power. You're like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> Wait, you want the guard to what? And he's like, yeah, you're going to pull around. You're going to tag black. You're like, dude, I hate pulling. God, it sucks. I'll be honest with you, Booty. I, I played football in high school. Wasn't wasn't very good at it. But I was I was much better and liked playing on defensive line much more than offensive oh, line. So because easy. defensive line was like, know your gap, get in the gap, find the ball, follow the ball. That's it. That's all you yeah. have to know to be a defensive lineman. Offensive so linemen have so much stuff that they have to, they have to digest and process and 
and it can change on the fly in terms of who you should be blocking because of hot reads and everything else oh, that yeah. goes into oh. it. To, for, if somebody, first of all, it was tough enough just for me to remember my blocking assignment <laughs> just in, in in the limited playbook that we had in high school. If the coach started changing stuff and calling stuff on the fly, I would just be completely lost. Dude, it's tough. You know what the worst is? When you and the center see things differently, and he's like, hey, scoop. And you're like, hey. He's like, I said scoop. Like, I said hey. And he's, and dude, you're fighting because he's like, he's basically saying he's a tilted shade. And you're basically like, no, nah, dude, he's a two eye. And he's like, no, it's a tilted shade. And then all of a sudden, you guys are fighting about the calls. D Lyman's like, hey, guys, it's zone away. I know because they're fighting. Like, Damn it. Gave it away. It's terrible. So, so this would be hard to do, right? This is not a. No. Is how how often would you say this is happening on an NFL side? Like maybe once over the course of a season. Yeah, maybe once, twice, three times. Uh, not a lot. I mean, for the most part, they're they're pretty on it. When it comes to the game plan, like you said, sometimes when you have to burn stuff early, like when you're using all your two minute plays early on, eventually the defense is going to read onto it the calls, the signals, the names, and all of a sudden they know what you're running and they know the routes. So you're right. You got to keep changing things up. So it, it it's very rare though that you have to go two minute or hurry up right out of halftime. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of games where that's happening. So things like this don't happen like that that much. Okay, when when I read this article, I was further impressed by Kevin Stefanski and Fair. and his prowess, his 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 mind, his offensive yes. mind, his brain. And I gotta mm. think that the word of Kevin Stefanski is spreading around the league as as teams start to look for their next head coach and start thinking about who that next head coach would be. Would you agree yes. that that's that he's going to be a candidate if if they continue to have the success on the offensive side of the football that they have? Yeah, it's it's funny you say that. We were talking about that on Tuesday. And what you know, where's Stefanski going to go? You know, where is there going to be open things like that? And, and before we go any farther, my thing was I hope Kevin stays here. I hope he doesn't leave. Okay, and I have a way to keep him here. I know you do, and I love it. I have a way to keep him here, Alex Boone, because I've discussed, and I'm sure you've discussed with Matthew Collar a few times, as this season has developed and unfolded the way that it's developed and unfolded, that this suddenly went from being a defensive team to being an offensive football team. And Mike Zimmer, I don't think I need to tell most people listening to this, but I'll tell you anyways, is a defensive head coach. That's his specialty. He was a defensive coordinator his whole career and a brilliant defensive mind at that. But he's also getting up there in years. And if this is turning from a defensive team into an offensive team, and that's your strength, that's your backbone as a football team, and folks come a-calling about Kevin Stefanski and a head coaching position in the offseason, if you're the Vikings and you don't want to lose Kevin Stefanski and you think you have a real good thing of Stefanski, Kubiak, and Kirk Cousins on the field, do you consider saying it's been real, Mike Zimmer, but we're going to move in a new direction and hand the reins over to Kevin Stefanski as the head coach? Dude, it's 2020. I am not surprised by anything. I've seen Odell Beckham get traded. The best player in the NFL got traded to the like worst team again, still somehow. But, yeah, I see it. And I see it because I see him as a young coach, as a rising coach. I see the offense gravitating towards him more. But my question becomes this for Mark and Ziggy Wilf. What's the risk versus reward, right? Like, say Kevin comes to you and he's like, hey, listen, I'm being pursued by these teams. I'm really considering leaving. What's to stop them from going, well, okay, it's Kubiak's offense anyways, and he's staying, so later. But I see the other side, too, where it's like, hey, 
you finally have the answer to the biggest question, like what is going on with this quarterback? You got this quarterback playing lights out, great football. He's doing things that even the greatest guys can't do. I mean, he rolls to his left, and we talk about this a lot, and people under like appreciate how much a quarterback can roll to his left, but I don't. I love it. I think it's great. You've <laughs> opened up so much more of the offense now. Thank you for being able to just run to your left. So for me, it's like, man, he's done a lot of things with Kirk this year, and he's really made Kirk look good. Now, Kirk's done a lot of the work himself, almost all of it. He's taken all the hits. He's made all the throws. He's done all the great things. But, yes, I think the way that he's responding to Stefanski, or maybe it is Kubiak, who really knows who he's responding well to, the offense is rolling. A lot of it is through Dalvin, which it's like, man – some of the games are going to be won just because Delvin's going to run through people. And eventually the seasons wear on, you know, week 15, 16, 17. Teams that are out of it are like, dude, do we really want to get in the way of this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, we are not going to the playoffs. Am I really going to try and stop this freight train? Now, some guys, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, some guys get out on the field and they're like, man, I don't care. I'm here to ruin everybody's day. And those are the guys that I always enjoy playing with. Right? Like, as an O-lineman, you don't get to be like, do I want to stop today? You have to be like, I'm ready to go today. So you find the, the really tough games where you're like, man, we are 0-13 and this game's going to suck. You're like, you know what? I'm going to ruin their life today. We are just going to run power all day. We're going to try and knock them out of the playoffs. So you think... How many teams are they going to play down the stretch like that, right? Are the Bears maybe? Uh, they don't have Akeem Hicks, really. you got the Chargers going down there. Are they really going to be in the contention then? I mean, you're looking at this thing, and it's like, man, this offense really has done a really good job. And Zimmer's contract is up this year, so they really do have a tough decision to make. Like, hey, listen, we could roll with Stefanski from here on out and just make George Edwards the guy, and we can roll that way. Or Stefanski's probably going to leave, and we keep Mike, and then Kubiak officially becomes the OC. Or maybe his son Clint becomes the OC. You know, they, they, either, whatever they decide to do, they're covered either way. You know, I mean, George and, and Mike have been working together so long, I'm sure they could pick each other's brain. Easily. And then Kubiak and Stefanski, they're, well, they're running the same offense. They're probably just throwing stuff off of each other. Collar talks about this all the time, and it's Rami Makhlouf in for Matthew Collar along with Alex Boone on Purple Daily here on Score North, that if, if, you're, if you're the type of team that the Vikings were previous to this year, and that's a defensive type of football team, or like the Bears were last year, a defensive type of football team, you can win a Super Bowl that way. You can contend for a Super Bowl that way. But your window opens and closes real fast. Like in a matter of two or three years, you're going to see a defense start to decline because there are so many moving parts to that that need to keep running at an optimal level for the defense to stay that defense. The easiest way, the, the quickest and, and, and path of least resistance to contending for a Super Bowl is to have a high-powered offense and an MVP-level quarterback. That's just the easiest way to do it. And along those lines, Alex, I've always thought the best way to 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 build that type of environment and foster that type of environment is to find your quarterback you believe in, find an offensive mind that you believe in, make him the head coach so nobody can hire that guy away from you, attach them at the hip, and go until it runs out of steam or it runs out of magic. That's what the Packers did with Mike McCarthy. It's what the 49ers did time and time again with Bill Walsh and um, and Kevin Seifert and Joe yep. Montana and Steve Young. For me, that seems like the formula to sustain excellence and to sustain being relevant and being a contender. And the Vikings, they had that window close on them this year in terms of being a defensive team who can contend 
and it sort of just falls in their lap that now they can be this offensive football team, I think it'd be foolish to just turn a blind eye to that and say, no, we're going to keep doing things the way that we have with Mike Zimmer, the defensive mastermind, and a revolving door at offensive coordinator that's going to make Kirk Cousins' job just that much harder. You do have the consistency of Gary Kubiak if you if you get him to stick around, assuming he doesn't go with Stefanski to help him set up shop wherever he goes. You have that consistency, but I feel like if you can have a young offensive mind in Kevin Stefanski and you're sold on Kirk Cousins and you can sign both those guys up and attach them at the hip and roll forward, I think that's that's the most optimal way for this Vikings team to move into the future. I think they're looking in the rear view. If this continues and Kevin Stefanski is a hot commodity, they're looking in the rear view of how Mike Zimmer has done instead of looking ahead of them and through the windshield of what this team could be with an offensive mind like Kevin Stefanski seems to be. I agree. And I want to I want to say two things though. Number 1, I think a lot of the the problems that the defense has been having this year, a lot of the defenses in this league have been having. And it stems from and I want everybody to brace themselves, it stems from the fans. They wanted the replay, you guys wanted all this stuff. I want to be able to slow-mo the game. I want to be able to pause it and stop it and pause it and stop it. Dude, I don't care. It's a full-speed game. You either want to watch it or you don't. Okay, but now all of a sudden the refs have become a huge problem for defenses. Because if you're a cornerback, you can't even sniff around a receiver or else they're going to call you for P.I. I mean, this league has literally been torched. All the rules are officially out the window. Because you'll hear a commentator go, well, that's pass interference, but it's not egregious. Okay, so once again, there's a line in the sand. We know we've crossed it, but we're going to say, no, 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 no. The line's way down there now. Right. Dude. It's a bend-don't-break defense. I think that a lot of defensive coordinators are getting pitted with a lot of bad things. Now, there's a couple defenses right now that are just stellar. Obviously, the Patriots, Bill Belichick, give him his own wing at the Hall of Fame. Deserves every bit of it. You look at the Niners defense, they've been rolling, but then all of a sudden you start playing these good teams with these good quarterbacks, and they find their tight windows because all of a sudden the defenses are getting pinned against good quarterbacks. They're like, hey, man, that's P.I. And the refs are like, you're right, that is P.I. This is a good quarterback. <laughs> Tell me it's P.I., so it must be P.I., right? Like, dude, this is not even football anymore. We have gone like, what is this? This is like flag touch? What are we playing? So for me, I don't necessarily look at this defense and go, man, their window closed. I think every defense's window closed. Listen, if you're not absolutely on your P's and Q's for 60 minutes, you're going to get torched somewhere because they're going to start throwing flags. You're going to have to go to a zone. Then it's, everything's going to break up. It's, it's just the way the league is, and it annoys the living hell out of me, and especially as a player because even as a player, you're like, man, just let the game go. But you're an offensive guy. I thought you'd like that. Dude, you know how many things easier they still for call your, guys on people. PI? They still call OPI. They're calling picks. <laughs> I mean, dude, the pick game has gone way down. I oh, mean, before yeah. Before these yeah. penalties, the picks were, I mean, we used to watch them in the meetings like, God, I can't believe you guys got away with that. That's incredible. <laughs> you know, and, dude, G-Ro, G-Ro, Greg Roman used to have the greatest line. He would see it and he'd go, actor, not a tractor. I love it. <laughs> dude, it was all about the acting. And now, dude, you can't even let two receivers run by each other. I mean, you get in bunch formation, and it's like, man, one left, two left, three left. Like, it used to be everybody just goes. Yeah, because the eye in the sky is watching. And now everybody's watching. So the game's just kind of not as fun for me. It's like, God, you really just let these refs pick these guys apart. But for me also, I look at this and I say, you know what, man? This offense has been down for a while. And I mean, 
other than the year that Casey took him, it's just been a everybody's tried to come in and fix it. And you're right. When you have a defensive-minded coach, they always want to go, dude, just run the ball, right? Because mm-hmm. they're always like, I want to play it safe. A good defensive coach has like three plays. He's never going to blitz you. He's always going to keep contained, and they know where their gaps are. So he, on offense, he's like, dude, just run the ball. Why are you throwing it? I want the opposing team to throw it. I don't want us to throw it. So when you have an offensive-minded coach, they're like, dude, I can't wait to torch this defense. Like, it just, everything flips, you know? And you're looking at it, and you're like, man, maybe they are being held back a little bit. I wonder how much farther they could go. I wonder how many more plays they have. I wonder what else Kevin Stefanski has in that big black book of his. And I really kind of want to see it. And I don't, I don't, I mean, the defense isn't bad. It's got its no. flaws, specifically at the cornerback position. But I, I would say they went from being consistently a top-five defense over the last handful of years under Mike Zimmer to being a top 10 defense, which is still good, but right. the the strength of this team now is the offense. Let's say they, they do what I'm saying maybe they should do, Alex, and Mike Zimmer is gone next year. How much of a drop-off is there if you keep one of, one of Zimmer's disciples around? I don't know who it would be, but you keep one of his assistants around and say, you run the defense, Kevin Stefanski is going to run the offense. Do you expect drop-off if, if Zimmer is, is shown the door? For sure. I always expect drop-off. I mean, no matter who the coach is, no matter what it is, you're always going to have a level of drop. Now, sometimes you might have the the team might rise up. I mean, you never know. You're looking at this, and sometimes coaches disagree with each other. You know, I'm sure George Edwards and Mike Zimmer have been down the road where he's like, hey, man, I want to go cover two over defense. And and all of a sudden, George is like, dude, I want to go all out. You know, you run into those, hey, listen, I'm the boss. This is how we roll. All right, cool, fine. So you never know how it's going to go. You know, the the big point for me was Chicago. When Vic left, everybody was like, dude, this defense is going to be stellar. They're going to be there built forever. Dude, the defensive coordinator leaving is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a whole new face. It's a whole new uh, aura. It's a whole new energy. You know, you're getting a whole new vibe from this guy. He wants to play guys in different positions. He wants to play a different defense. Hey, listen, I like to blitz a little more. Things change. Who knows if it's for the good or the bad? You're going to find out soon enough. The key is Mike leaving has nothing to do with the talent on the team. The talent is still there. They're still good players. I still think Xavier Rhodes is a good cornerback. He's just a physical cornerback. He's one of these guys that's like, dude, I like to be on top of you, blanketed around you all day. I want to push you. I want to see how tough you are. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And that's what I thought too, Boone, until I saw Cortland Sutton just pushing him off when Xavier Rhodes was trying to be physical last week. But then again, I think that maybe X is too scared. Like He's like, dude, I don't want to get called. Like Now all of a sudden, he's in his head. True, yeah. And you've taken a player who is naturally a great athlete and has tremendous skill, and you've put him in his own mind, which is the last place that an athlete ever wants to go. Everything should always be actionary or reactionary. I did this because you did this. It just happens. I don't know why I do it. Like, coaches say, why do you do that? I don't know. Because he was going to hit me in the face. Like, what kind of a stupid question is that? Why did you block him from punching you? Because he was going to hit me in the face, you idiot. All right, that's fair. That's a fair question. You know, like, you... And it's all of a sudden you're like, oh, I guess I don't know why I did that. I guess it's just because that's how I am. And then all of a sudden they start changing you and you're in your mind and you're like, uh, you're then all of a sudden you're a step slower. And then all of a sudden you're just all over the place. That's the place that an athlete can never go. Booney, you brought up the, the rest of the Viking schedule and, and we got about, I don't know, eight, eight, nine minutes left in the segment here. I wanted, I wanted to go over the remainder of their schedule with you in the bye week this week. And then they have Seattle, then they'll host the Lions, go to the Chargers, host the Packers, close out the season against the, uh, Chicago Bears on, uh, December 29th. What, what, if anything, scares you in the, in the remainder of the Viking schedule as you look forward? I think 
there's really two games that scare me. And number one is Seattle. And Seattle is always going to scare me because whenever Russell Wilson takes the field, anything can happen. And I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it on one knee holding my helmet like, please, God, don't let them score right now. I mean, dude, I've done it all, like sitting on the bench holding your hand like, please, God, just fumble the ball one time. Never going to happen. The dude is incredible. But that, that scares me. And you know what else scares me? Jadavian Clowney. All of a sudden, somebody let this dude get going. Whoever that was, that was a big mistake because he had been kind of mum for a while. Like, hey, maybe I don't want to be the guy I think I am. And then all of a sudden on Monday night, he's like, dude, I am exactly who you thought I am. I can be a terror. That scares me. The other game would be the Packers game. Aaron Rodgers is another one. I don't care if he has no run game, no defense. He can still put the ball wherever he wants. And for some reason, that scares me. When I look at the schedule, and I I do think the Vikings have at least – three wins left on the schedule out of the five games that they've played. But I really do think, and it kind of goes back to one thing you just you just brought up, Alex, which is Jadavion Clowney. I think all five of the remaining teams on their schedule are going to present a test for this Vikings team because of the play of their offensive line so far. I know the Chargers record isn't impressive. I know that the Lions record isn't impressive. I know the Bears record isn't impressive. And you're not battling for playoff spots with any of those football teams. But what those three teams do well, one of the few things those three teams do well, and I said this going into the Denver game, and people thought I was crazy and that would be a blowout, but it's exactly what played out in the first half. Sometimes this isn't about the record or or the talent on paper. It's about matchups. All three of those teams that aren't scary on paper, they get after quarterbacks. And that offensive line will be tested by the Lions, Chargers, and Bears. And therefore, Kirk Cousins will be tested by the Lions, Chargers, and Bears because we've seen what happens to Kirk Cousins when he faces real pressure in the pocket. Agreed. And this last game, the first half, we kind of saw, you know, patting the ball. And and the truth is, he's taking a lot of hits. And you're going to be playing some teams down the stretch, you're right, that have some good defensive lines. Listen, Chicago still has Khalil Mack. You still have to have an answer for that. I mean, you still – and it's it's it goes both ways. When I say a defense has to physically stop Dalvin Cook, that means that they have to physically show up and bring him to the ground. You can't just be like, Dalvin, we're going to tackle you today. He's going to be like, dude – I want to see you do it first. Okay? <laughs> it's the same thing I'd like on the to other see you try. Right. It's yeah. the same thing on the other side now. Like you're like, hey, listen, you get some of these defenses, especially like a Mike Pettin defense that are just exotic, right? And we have Josh Klein who's kind of going through this concussion protocol, and I even feel for him because it's like, man, I think this is like number two for him on the year, and that's starting to get into scary territory where it's like, dude, it's your brain. Like, this is nothing we joke about. Once again, this is one of those subjects It's like, man, we can't ever play about that. So it's like Dakota Dozier going forward has kind of opened up a little bit of a door. You saw last against the Broncos, that interior lineman, Shelby Harris, mm-hmm. with like three sacks. Now, I don't agree with all three of them. I think that maybe some of them were held, but it still doesn't matter. On film, a team has just now seen you getting picked apart. So now they're going to be like, guess who's getting all the twists this week? Guess who's getting picked this week? Guess who we're coming for this week? So for me, it's like, man, if you put some stuff out on film, going forward, these next teams are tough. And Seattle's in the hunt with you, and they are super pissed at the Niners, and they're ready to climb up there. And then you've got the Packers, who lead the division right now, and they're like, hey, listen, we've got to separate ourselves from the rest of the pack. You got the Bears, who by the end of the year are going to be so pissed that they're not in it, they're going to be gunning for everybody. And the same thing for the Chargers. So, yes, you have some really tough games coming up. When you look around the NFC, is the playoff picture set in your eyes? I mean, there no. might be some move, no. move, movement of position, but I don't know that anybody's going to drop out of the playoff picture that's currently in it. You know, I don't think that the, the only thing that's. 
the Rams. I don't know what it is about Sean McVay, but he's one of these guys that can get his team up in a hurry. And it's just a quick spark that he needs. And you, you never know when it's going to come from a young coach like that. You know, he can all of a sudden get the team riled up and ready to go. Another one is Philly. I mean, to me, they, they have to do something this week. Cause if you don't, both those teams don't win this week, the playoff picture set. Cause the Vikings lead too far ahead of them. And if they lose this week, they're going to both be like two games out. And that's just a race that you don't even want to have to try and keep fighting. The Rams, I was thinking the same thing about the Rams just a couple of weeks ago, Alex, and I've watched them the last two weeks. And Sean McVay, I'm not taking anything away from Sean McVay. I think the offensive genius that we've seen from him before is is very, very real. But I think this just illustrates what taking one main cog out of that machine really can do to it. I don't think people really fear Todd Gurley anymore, and whether that's because of the knee and he's just not as effective as he was or the the reduction in his use and he's just not on the field as much as he was, you take that guy out and the threat uh, of, of Todd Gurley out, I think the same thing would happen to the Vikings if you took the threat of Dalvin Cook out. Now they're not scared of your running game and they can attack the quarterback that much more. And what we're finding out about Jared Goff is what we say about Kirk Cousins and some other quarterbacks in this league. When everything is perfect around him, he looks great, especially when he has Sean McVay in his ear right up until that microphone phone is turned off with 15 seconds left on the playbook but if he has to try and figure anything out on his own or on the fly when the pressure is flying in his face I don't think Jared Goff is a special quarterback and I think that's being exposed and I don't know how much Sean McVay can can do to 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 correct that without getting a Todd Gurley level running back again in that system well, first of all, you need to get an offensive line, too. I mean, the old line is getting a That's little pretty bit, brutal, yeah. Right. I mean, they're, they're dealing with some injuries right now, and as every team will find out, your depth will take you into the playoffs, or it won't. But your GM better start working because they're going to find out. So for me, you're like, dude, everybody was comparing Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff. And I don't know why, because this last game, I saw the answer I was looking for. If you have no run game, what do the Vikings do? All of a sudden, the second half, they're like, here, we'll show you the formula. We're going to speed it up, and we're going to move Kirk a little bit more because then all of a sudden the safeties start moving even more. And then we're going to have Kirk roll to his left, and we're going to have a huge play from Diggs. And then all of a sudden we're going to have Kirk roll to the right, and we're going to have another huge play from Irv Smith. Like you just Everything's lining up quickly. Keep their base on the field. Let the big guys have to keep running around. Don't let them sub. Let them keep going. And that's why you heard like they ran so many plays in the, this hurry-up offense they eventually have to start making up new ones because eventually the defense is going to catch on to you and they're going to go, all right, we know exactly what plays are right now because you're yelling them on the field. So they're like, okay, that's the third time I've heard Pico. So now all of a sudden, what's this play? This is Pico. You know what I'm saying? Like they Eventually they figure it out. What was Pico? Dude, there was tons of names. We had, <laughs> we had 400 plays in Greg Roman's offense. What? It, it was. What? Dude, it was the greatest offense you could have ever. How many we, how many different we, assignments do you have as an offensive lineman in a playbook with four hundred calls? Dude, it was incredible. That's it was, insanity. It was no, it's great. Because <laughs> you could look, and and I I may still have my playbook. I may be the only person that walked out with my playbook that year because I was like, this is one of the greatest playbooks. I could never let this go. And I'll every now and then I'll go back and look at a few plays and I'll just laugh because I'm like, I cannot believe that this. Dumbass play worked, and nobody fell for it. Like, it's incredible some of the things that Greg Roman could think of. See, and here I was thinking the only reason I'm not in the NFL is I'm not 6'4". If I I was 6'4", I'd just be 8 inches taller sitting in this chair pretending I know what I'm talking about. It's incredible some of the things. And that's why I'm excited to see the rest of, you know, Stefanski's playbook because I know there's more in there. These coaches right now, I mean, when when you're allowed to be vanilla and just run a 36 zone 
my God, is that easy. When you don't have to start pulling out the F hides and the F wide. and the, Already confused. I know. Everybody's all over the place, right? And all of a sudden, you're like, dude, we're just basically beating people with simple plays. An ISO, a draw, a zone, and a power. That's all they've really run. Like They haven't really had to go exotic, change it up, go crazy, do anything like, oh, my God. Like Every now and then, they'll throw a little razzle-dazzle in there. But that's mostly to keep the backside end. Hey, is he still sinking in or is he holding? What's he doing? You know, That's to keep people honest. That's Alex Boone, and uh, you ready for some hot routes, Booney? You ready to do this? Wait. It's been a long time since I've been on hot routes. Like seriously, yeah. Since I started hosting Score North Live daily, I haven't I haven't been on Purple Daily to do hot routes. So I'm very much looking forward to this. Jonathan has the questions locked and loaded. The questions you want answers to. It's hot routes. It's next on Purple Daily on 1500 ScoreNorth.com, the Score North mobile app. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid-fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 580-397! Oh, yeah, it is. It sure is Hot Routes on Purple Daily. Rami Makhlouf in for Matthew Collar. Alex Boone along for the entire two-hour ride. Jonathan on the other side of the glass, as always. And jumping into the TCL broadcast studios to get in on Hot Routes during the break, Boone. I know you're not here in studio, so you didn't see this, but... Phil Mackey came bursting in like Dude, a I WWE would, wrestler. I would ready never, to go. when given the invite wow. to join Hot Routes, yeah. I would never turn it down. He is here and he is ready to go. Yes, especially you, you could pull a fast one, huh? Uh, <laughs> I, Let's go. I, I'm, I'm going to be a tough guy since uh, since we're not sitting in the same studio. <laughs> Actually, uh, you know what all three of us have in common, boys? None of us have won a Super Bowl. Oh, 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 oh wow. Oh. At least I played in one. Oh. Wow! All right, Jonathan, uh, you're going to be comeback. you're going to be asking the questions. Does does Collar still do the thing where he yells out hot routes no. before the question? We, doing we don't that do that. Anymore. All right, no. cool. No. I was no, looking forward to doing that, but that's all right. you can do that if you want to. No, 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 no that's no, all right. Into it for that's a okay. I feel like I have a really good quarterback voice, but that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> we can just we can just move it along. What do you got for? What do you got for us in Hot Rods this afternoon, Jonathan? So there's, first question, there's apparently a rumor going around the league that Phillip Rivers, whose contract is up at the end of the season, would like to play for the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. So I want you to give me the most surprising quarterback move that will happen this offseason. By the way, voluntarily wants to play for the Titans? Yeah, voluntarily. <laughs> Like right. as a goodwill mission? Is he going to have to I know move he's his... very religious. Is this a missionary thing? Must be. Okay, all right. Missionary might not have been the right word there, but well, then again, he does have like 14 kids, so. This is already off the rails. Off to a great start. God, I love this hot what route. did you expect with me sitting in this chair today? All right, who goes first? Uh, Phil, you go work. first. Phil goes first. Uh, so the most surprising quarterback move, um, I think, I don't know if this is surprising, but I think Teddy Bridgewater plays for the Bears next year. Ooh. Wow. But the, okay. but, but when you, but the word surprising kind of throws a, a wrench into it because Bridgewater's a free agent. Mm-hmm. The Bears are going to need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just, so ultimately it makes sense. But I think Teddy Bridgewater, here's the surprising part to some people. He's going to make like $25 million a year on his contract with the Chicago Bears. At least 20. 
Yeah, at somewhere somewhere sure. in that twenty to twenty five range. I I want to go next just to take what Phil said one step further. I have a twofer for you, Jonathan, which oh. means I automatically get the point on this. I don't know if we're not giving points. points. Whatever. There's no um, points this time. Whatever. <laughs> the Saints tell Drew Brees it's been real. Whoa. We're going with Teddy Bridgewater wow. moving forward. Drew Brees to the Bears, ladies and gentlemen. Drew <laughs> Brees to wow. the Chicago Bears. Wow. Yes, sir. We're getting Football. weird now. All right, boom. Ryan Pace came from New Orleans, and he is obsessed with Drew Brees. He drafted uh, Mitchell Trubisky thinking he is the next Drew Brees, and that's obviously not happening. I was absolutely blown away by that. I don't even know if I can follow that's up. what I do. How do you follow up with Drew Brees to the Bears? It almost makes sense. Thank you. A little bit? Wow. I was going to say Teddy to the Bears for sure. I think Teddy's definitely coming back to the North. I think that when you look at him and what he's done this te- this year with this team and how this team's rallied around him, this is exactly what the Bears need. They need someone to rally around on offense and on defense as well. I think that when you get Akeem Hicks back and you throw a Teddy Bridgewater into a team like this, man, that could be dangerous because his attitude is infectious around the team. And that's what this offense really needs. How about Eli Manning to the Bears, Rami? No. God, no. No, no chance. Please, no. No chance. For the love of God, no. For all that's good and holy in this world, What about Ryan no. Fitzpatrick? No, Bears? man. What are you guys trying to do to me? What are you trying Josh to do Rosen? to me? Josh Rosen? Hell, no. Stop. This is hurting my heart. I want to see all this now. Oh, I'm no going, football. I'm going to Teddy Bridgewater, but not to the Bears. No, no, he's going out west. He's going to the Chargers because they're in need of someone to draw fans in. They're in. They have young offensive weapons around there. I'm going Teddy Bridgewater think, to the Chargers. But there are no Chargers fans in L. A. But that's why you bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Is Teddy Bridgewater a draw? He brings him in. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a draw. Teddy Bridgewater is a draw. He could be. He's likable. He's a draw. Maybe in Miami and in Minneapolis. Yeah, that's I don't know, what I'm I don't know if he's no, a draw he's in San Diego. For sure. For sure, San Diego. Are you kidding me, Teddy B? Oh yeah, dude. For sure. All right. My boons in on Teddy say B. So. Next question. Tom Brady said this week, because he's playing the Cowboys, said he's hated the Cowboys since coming out of the womb. All right. What's the one team in any sport you've hated the most in your life? Do, I need, do I need to answer all this? All time or just at any one point? Do I need to answer this? Anybody who listens to this station and even somewhat regularly or works with me somewhat regularly? The Cardinals. Yeah, that makes I sense. say bleep the Cardinals every chance I get. <laughs> and you're saying the baseball Cardinals. Wait, yes, the, the, Cardinals? the St. Louis Cardinals. God, do I hate them. just they're just the worst, Alex. They're just the worst. They're the worst organization. They're the worst fans. They're just so. Their nose is so <laughs> high. Their nose is so high up in the sky. They they invented the game and the right oh. way to play it. They wrote the book and own the book of unwritten rules on what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. They're just the, they're just the absolute worst. And Yadier Molina embodies it. He's 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 worse than any of them. God, I hate them. That's a Phil. Yeah, that's that's. The, that's I'm going to guess that like you and I are like coming from a fan perspective. The Packers I'm gonna guess, are a close second. Uh, Boone Boone's going to have like actual teams that he like hated <laughs> right, playing against. Yeah. But so mine has always been, not always. I I would say starting in like the late '90s, early 2000s when they started really becoming a program. Badgers football and Badgers football fans, and here's why. Every single time you criticize Badger football, for instance, like myself, I will criticize Badger fans for thinking that they're on the level of Alabama, even though they're not. And if they played Alabama at any point in the college football uh, championship playoff, which they're not going to make this year, but if they, and by the way, the Gophers are in the mix and Wisconsin is not, uh, and that will probably be the only year that happens. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the Badgers and Badger fans think they're on the level of Alabama. And when you point that out, they say, well, what have the Gophers done lately? 
Well, first of all, we're not talking about the Gophers. Second of all, the Gophers actually have like seven national championships to Wisconsin zero, I believe, if you want to go like historical. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the most unwarrantedly cocky college football fans are Wisconsin Badgers fans. I disagree, and I'm going to say my team. It's the Michigan Wolverines, and I hate them. I always have. Cannot stand them. They tell you within five minutes. It's like somebody from Harvard. You just know within five minutes. Well, you know, in Michigan, we used to. You're like, dude, I knew it. I He's knew a it. Michigan man. I had yes. to know it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but uh, you know them, the Ravens. I hate the Ravens. I hate them. <laughs> hate them. Uh, who else? I mean, any I particular reason why the Ravens? Well, number one, we lost the Super Bowl to them. Oh, fair enough. Two, they took the Browns from Cleveland <laughs> to Baltimore. Thank you, Art Modell. But he did do some great things for Cleveland. He put a lot of money into the hospital, so I respect that. But, dude, other than that, I hate pretty much every team. I mean, I, I, when I was playing, I hated Seattle. <laughs> I hated the Cardinals. Like, if you'd asked me, like, you hate this team, I'd have been like, yeah, I hate them a lot. Like, I just, that's how it was. I would watch them. I'd be like, I hate them. I hate everything about them. They blitz a lot. I hate that they don't blitz. Like, whatever it was, it just pissed me off. Were you ever friendly with guys on game? I know you're friendly yes. with guys on yes. other teams, but on game day, because I know, I know there is, so, like, when after the, uh, the, the Patriots beat the Browns, Odell Beckham Jr. signed a pair of his fancy shoes and gave yes. them to Tom Brady on the field after the mm-hmm. game. And I know that rubbed some of his teammates the wrong way. Like, dude, why are you worshiping at no. the altar of Brady after they just kicked our ass? Did that bother you when you were a player? No. Okay. Not at all. Because I used to go talk to guys, too. I mean, there were some guys. I've told the story about how I didn't cut Brian Erlacher because it was Brian Erlacher. I was like, dude. I remember my coach. Like, oh. He was like, listen, man, in order for this play to work, you're going to have to cut this mic. And I was like, all right, yeah, sure, no problem. And it's easy to say when you're looking at the film. But when you get out there and you're like six feet from Brian Erlacher and it's like his last year playing, I was like, dude, am I really going to be the guy that goes down for taking out Brian Erlacher? <laughs> dude, you should have seen me in slow mo. I swear to God, it all happened so slow. I'm about to do it. Did you I'm look like to... Philip Rivers trying dude, to throw a block last week? No, I look good. I was young. I was super young. So I'm clean to the point. And I get there, he doesn't see me, and I'm like, I can make my name for myself right here. Not a chance. I stood up. I grabbed him. I was like, dude, I can't do it. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, I'm supposed to cut you. I can't do it. I was like, good luck. I got to go. I was so mad at myself for not doing it, but I, there's no chance you were going to get me to cut Brian Earl. No chance. Nope. Packers. It's always been the Packers. All my life, they've been successful. My teams really haven't. They've won two Super Bowls, and they've found ways to complain about it. It's always well, been the Packers. But that's the hilarious sure. thing about the Packers. They've had two of the top, let's yeah. say, six or seven quarterbacks of all time. going. But the last 30 years almost, yeah. the last 27 years, they've had two of the top six or seven quarterbacks of all time. And they only have two Super Bowl championships. I would take two Super Bowls over the last 30 years as a Vikings fan. I would totally sure, take but it in your, But your last 30 Again, years as a yes, Vikings fan have been like a hodgepodge of aging backups <laughs> right. and like Christian Ponder for four years. That's fair. I, I have to say, I've, the, the Packers were sort of equal to the Cardinals for me until I worked in Wisconsin for 14 years. And the difference between Packers fans and Cardinals fans is stark. Like, Packers fans don't feel like... They have monopoly on the right yes. way to play the game, and yes. they're supposed to be good every year, and when they're not, it's a black eye on the league. Like Cardinals fans really believe that stuff that I'm saying. Packers fans are actually kind of nice and welcoming to outsiders. Yeah, they're, mo- you, they're mostly when, just drunk and don't even know what's Lam- happening. When you go to Dude. Lambeau Field, I've been to Lambeau Field they're in awesome. a Bears jersey, and people will like, there's a balcony where you can watch the game like up in the north end zone. They were like, 
Oh, is this your first time at Lambeau? Take my spot right here in the front. And then- Eagles fans will throw you off. Dude, Eagles fans, will, they'll, break, they'll break stuff over your head. They're crazy. That's one of the best places to play. But, dude, Lambeau, they're great. We used to roll up all the time in, like, the playoffs, and they'd be outside in, like, Sub-Zero playing beer pong. Like, a bunch of old people, like, just hanging out, like, laughing, talking. You're like, dude, this is great. You, like, literally roll up in the middle of someone's street, and there's a huge stadium out of nowhere. Who and are the... Who are the who are the worst fans? Like uh, so, like you could say Eagle, Eagles fans you could say are some Oakland. of the most loyal fans. Oakland, okay. Oakland for sure. Listen, I love a loyal fan. Like Oakland is extremely loyal. Most fans are loyal. There's a few fan bases that you go and you see more of your own colors than you do theirs, and you're like, all right, this sucks for them, but great for us. But there are some teams that you go in there and you're like, guys, we literally might have to throw a few punches to get out of here tonight. <laughs> Oakland, when I was young, when I was real young, we used to go to Oakland in the preseason. And they were like, listen, don't bring your wife, don't bring your kids, don't bring your family. Because Tony Raggy's dad got hit with a beer bottle for wearing Tony's jersey Jeez. in the stands. And that was like within five seconds of the game. And they were like, if you don't take it off, there's another one coming for your dude. wife's head. Like, it was like, dude, they were like, we're out of here. We're gone. We're, we're, we're done. But you go to those places, and it is so fun to play. Because you're like, dude, this is crazy. Yeah. All right. Football. Next question, Jonathan. Uh, Jadavian Cloudy said he's not focused on free agency, despite the fact that he'll be in line to make a boatload of money this summer. Does he stay in Seattle? If not, where is he going? I thought the question was going to be, do you believe him that he's not worried about the boatload of money that he <laughs> no, could make no, this summer? I don't believe, because because I don't believe that for <laughs> one second. Not for one damn second, Jadavian Clowney. I would be very worried about you that. You know what? Actually, I'll go first, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal from producer Declan over here. Mm-hmm. So, how ironclad is Everson Griffin's contract? You can, I think you can get out of Everson Griffin's contract. Oh. I think it was kind of a front-loaded situation. How about Daniil Hunter on one side? Davian Clowney on the other side? Yikes. Linval Joseph in the middle? It's a way to shore up your pass defense. That'll Maybe do it. Minnesota Vikings. Davian Clowney. That Problem. might even make Xavier Rhodes look good. He'll only have might. to block for two <laughs> seconds. Just, just sit down, buddy. You, <laughs> not even necessary. Where are you going to find the money? Yeah. You know oh, what, though? But, a lot but, of money. but Rod Brzezinski, I feel like Rod Brzezinski, the, the question with the Vikings like, where do you find the money? Dude, you can't make 20 million come. You can't make 20 million show up out of nowhere like, oh, wait, it was under the rock. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it's tough That's... when your quarterback makes 28, ironclad. And, but you, but Xavier Rhodes, you're going to get out from underneath that money. You got a couple cornerbacks. You're probably going to get out from underneath. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And, if you're, and if you're getting Vikings. out of the Everson Griffin contract, that's ten million. That's opening up or eight mm-hmm. million. I forget what he's making. Exactly. Like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, that's not twenty. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I, think, I could see it happening. I say the Raiders. I say John Gruden tries to to make trading away Khalil Mack right again and make that defense whole again and get that Ooh. that First dangerous in pass Vegas? rusher on that's the edge. That's a heck of a. That and they got, and they got money Vegas. to spend because they, they traded all their contracts for draft picks in the last two years. So I like it. Derek Carr is basically the only guy they're paying right now. Boone? I was going to say Miami. I think that Miami is trying to go into this offseason with a boatload of money and trying to start building their team. And, and, and more so, I have a question. What is We'll talk about this afterwards, but for my, my opinion, I think he's going to go to Miami. I think Miami's going to have to come back and start paying a lot of people a lot of money to make this team something. Yeah, because at this point, Miami's lost the trust of pretty much everybody. I remember a bunch of people giving them the side eye. They did, and that's why I think he's going to end up going there. But my question is this. If you – this team, everyone thinks this team is tanking, right? And so they've won two games in a row. 
Is it that bad that they've won two games while trying to tank, or is it bad that they've lost all those games while everyone was thought they were tanking, but they really weren't? <laughs> you know, like, I'm so confused right now if we should be concerned. Because here everybody was like, oh, well, they're tanking. And all of a sudden the coach is like, dude, we're on a two-game no, win I think streak. they're winning football games out of This is great. And it's like, wait a minute. Weren't you guys trying to lose those games? I like, mean, you weren't? This morning on ESPN, Dominic Foxworth yes. was on Get Up This Morning. And I'm, it sounds like Jonathan was watching this too, and and so they have a segment that's called uh, something like uh, it's it's like things that you've that people would never say. You, what's an opinion you have that no one else has, basically? Right. And his opinion was Brian Flores, the head coach of the Dolphins, should be in the mix for NFL Coach of the Year. That's crazy. Made my brain hurt because they were tanking, and they were I mean they were essentially just a collection of. Just rejects, right? Misfits, yeah. Right. And now they've won two games in a row. And if they finish like four and twelve against the grain of trying to, t- it's like the movie Major League, where the front office, the ownership wants you to lose, and you rally together and you win some games. They refuse. That Brian well, Flores should be in the mix for coach of the year. That's my question, though. Is like, are they have they really been trying to tank though, or are they really trying to win games? They just look that bad. Like, oh my god, like. Something has to be. Somebody has to come out somewhere and say something. Like, listen, we were really trying to win all those games. We just lost them. Like, we were playing that bad, guys. Because there were times when it was like, man, it's almost like they're trying to lose this game. I don't Football. know. I think he stays. I think he can become the new face of that Seattle defense, much the way Richard Sherman was for a while. I think he stays with them and then becomes one of the faces of that franchise. All right. Fourth final and, question. Fourth and final question, Jonathan. Bit of a spoiler alert here if you're watching The Mandalorian Disney Plus's new Star Wars show. There's a baby Yoda, so time to form this into so cool. a. Which one is Yoda? Game. Oh God! You can. Uh, there's a door. I've over never there. seen a Star Wars movie. The little green guy. guy. Little, little green, green guy. guy. Listen, Big be, ears. be inclusive, okay? For Alex, those of us who have never seen a Star Wars movie, can you movie, believe that there's a person, a, a a a man in the age range of Phil Mackey, and you're what mid thirties who has never seen not one minute of Star Wars? Is that is that even does that even compute in your brain? Because it doesn't for me. It does a little bit. I mean, I could see. I mean, he doesn't have time to watch TV. Doesn't like film. I mean, what's the? Are you a Trek guy? Are you a Trekkie? Is that what they call it? <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't seen Star Wars. I think he's a Trekkie. I, I've seen some Star Trek. I've seen some see? Star Trek. Data. I know wow. who Data is. Yeah. You're either a Trekkie or you're a Wars fan. Yeah. That's right. More of a oh, Trekkie, okay. I guess. Would you go to Comic Con? Is the question. Uh, only if professional wrestlers I know from the 90s are there. Good God, man. So, yeah. Comic-Con looks great. Yeah, I met Mark Henry a couple weeks ago. Mark Did Henry you? bench-pressed me against the ceiling. It's great. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where do you put your second hand? There's nowhere. I got an impromptu hot routes question. Alex Boone, could you take Mark Henry? <laughs> man, I wouldn't want to have to. <laughs> but you know what, dude? If we're going to have to do this, we're going to have to do it right. Let's go. So you're able to bring back or make any current player or former player a rookie this year. Whose career looks a little bit different or vastly different if they are on a rookie or if they're a rookie this year. Can I tell you something, Jonathan? You don't like the question. I read this question. Yeah, I know. I, I don't and I, thought, I don't. I don't understand how Who's this career? relates to Baby Yoda, and I don't fully understand <laughs> Thank the question. Thank you! Whose career might be on a different path if they are a rookie this year? What does that have to do with Baby Yoda, though? I don't know. <laughs> you asked me to write hot routes. I wrote them quickly. This was the quickest one I wrote. Clown me all you want. Just answer the dang question. <laughs> Phil, I leave this to you. So, for the record, I fully comprehend the connection, and I Thank fully you. understand the question. Are you saying qu- Yoda is a rookie all over again? Starting all over? Back Yoda. 
You're bringing back anybody into a rookie version of themselves. And here's what it is, okay? In the 1990s, we were all about pocket passers for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, there okay. was a time you could you could make an argument right now that the top five or six quarterbacks in the NFL are all very mobile, very mobile guys. Lamar Jackson, yeah. um, Russell Wilson. I think the guy in the 90s, that, and I don't, I, I don't know what their offensive scheme was. I know they went to a Super Bowl, but Steve McNair was mm. one, of the, one, one of the most underrated quarterbacks for like 10 or 12 years in an era where like no one really knew what to do schematically with mobile quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, let's just like have a pocket passing scheme and like just run once in a while if there's an opening. Yeah. And now you got offenses like what Baltimore. I know that Alex hates Baltimore, but they have torn down their entire offensive playbook and they have said, "Let's build this house for Lamar Jackson." And I don't know if anyone ever really did that with Steve McNair in the 1990s. So Steve McNair, I think his career would be very different, and, and it was good, but I think it might be on another level. My answer is based on something that Sage Rosenfels told us earlier in an interview that will air later on uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami weekdays, four to six on Score North, which is that as good as Michael Vick and dynamic as he was when he played. Mm-hmm. He was kind of in a wrong system, and people didn't know what to do with all that speed and athleticism at the quarterback position then. If I could bring back one guy, I'd, I'd bring back Michael Vick and put him in the in the Greg Roman, Lamar Jackson system and tell him to uh, not do the dogfighting thing. I would yeah. do that also, yeah. yeah. I would have to agree with all that. I think if you're going to bring somebody back, it's going to have to be one of those mobile quarterbacks that nowadays people truly appreciate and have a great offense built around them, not only for... Like you said, because back in the day, you used to be like, hey, listen, if one, two, and three aren't open, just take off. And now it's like, hey, listen, we're positioned in this play for you to take off to the left. So if it's not open after one, just go. That would have been interesting. Yeah, I would love to see Michael Vick in that. And you played for Greg Roman in his 400-play playbook. Dude, he would have torched some people. Michael Vick was my answer, too. Just seeing him in today's offenses that are a little bit more free-thinking than they were back then. Yes. Or any of of those mobile guys of the past, like Randall Cunningham in an Eagles uniform. I know he lost some of his mobility by the time he got to the Vikings, but young Randall Cunningham and some Mm -hmm. of the things that he could do with those legs back in the day, even Steve Young. I mean, he could do some crazy things and break off some big plays with his legs. I'd love to see any of those guys come back as Baby Yoda and uh, be, inserted, <laughs> be inserted into a modern offense. Baby Football. Yoda. Yeah. Jonathan is so mad at you for calling out that question. I love you, Jonathan. You know that, right? Well, there goes, there, go, no, there, goes another, <laughs> there goes another cram session for Rami. I don't care that you made me do that. You're not winning one. <laughs> we'll hit a quick break. One last segment of Purple Daily right after this on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can download the Score North mobile app and make sure you do because you can register for listening rewards this month. One lucky app user will win a $200 Visa gift card just for having the Score North mobile app. Just download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards for your chance to win a $200 Visa gift card just for having our app. Something over on our Twitter feed right now, the newest NFL power rankings for the Vikings are out. They have them at either 7 or 8, depending on the site you're looking at, NFL.com, ESPN has the Vikings at 7, USA Today, Bleacher Report, they both have the Vikings at 8. Is that fair? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily.
1500 scorenorth.com and the score north mobile app rami makloff in for matthew collar one more afternoon alex boone along with us in the tcl broadcast studios we're also streaming live on twitter twitch and facebook alex i wanted uh your thoughts on something we discussed the other day on Mackey and judd with rami i believe it was peter schrager from nfl network right jonathan yes peter who schrager. said that uh kirk cousins should be in the conversation, and I believe that is a quote, in the conversation for MVP. And when you when you look at the numbers, depending on what metrics you put more weight into or less weight into, Kirk Cousins is arguably a top-five quarterback. And usually a top-five quarterback is at least on the periphery of a discussion about the MVP. But my response was, like, how loosely are we using the term in the discussion, because if we're talking top five, like Kirk Cousins might sneak into that conversation. But for me, the only real discussion to be had about MVP 11 weeks into the season and things can change between now and the end of the season. But 11 weeks into the season, the only discussion to be had about MVP, if we were handing out that trophy today is, is it Lamar Jackson or is it Russell Wilson? Yeah, and I think it's just because both of them have been so dynamic and they've just the things that they've overcome, you know, I mean, obviously Lamar Jackson, he's a phenomenal player. And the one thing that makes him so special is he can do it through the air, he can do it with his legs. And having a quarterback like that is a dangerous thing. I think that Kirk deserves recognition for the MVP because he's still in the same sentences as those guys. He's still doing the same things those guys are doing, but he's doing it differently. He's doing it on his own shoulders. You know, he's doing it through Dalvin's run game and then all of a sudden the play action is opening up. But I think that, you know, he's a phenomenal player when he's on the when he's on the roll. When he's moving around in the pocket, he likes to get rid of the ball. I mean, he absolutely should be in contention for the MVP, especially because for me, it kind of rolls down to what do you do when there's nothing else around you? With Russell Wilson, we saw it. I mean, he'll make plays when there's nothing to be had. Lamar Jackson, the same thing. Listen, the play broke down, Lamar. We need you to make it right. I'll make it right. When you look at this, you're like, well, the offense rolls through Delvin. Yeah, it does. But this last weekend, we just saw what happens when it doesn't. And Kirk took over, and he did. And he was like, hey, listen, let's just pick up the pace a little bit and keep me on the roll, and let's have fun. And it, to me, the second half of that team is a dangerous team. Because they have confidence, they have Kirk at their, on the helm. The way he's kind of been able to poise himself, and I know at times he looks a little skittish, but when he's poised in that pocket, man, he can do some dangerous things. So you, you don't think he's really in the discussion, Kirk Cousins I, is? I think he should be. Absolutely, I think he should be. I think that when you talk about a guy that's been taking a lot of hits like he has and still been able to produce without a number one receiver and you know at times not a run game behind him, I think that there's discussion to be had for him in the conversation. But at the end of the day, you're right. It's going to boil down to Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson because what those two can do with their legs is so dynamic and so eye-opening. It's like, oh, my God. I mean, for a while we thought Deshaun Watson was going to be there, and then all of a sudden the Ravens' defense just pummeled them. Right. And, a, and a lot of that falls on the offensive line of the of the Texans. I mean, like, dude, you got to keep your guys safe at some point. Do something. And not all of it, but, you know, when you talk about a Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson, those guys can just shed tackles. And they can make the really, really bad plays seem like normal nothing. Like, hey, listen, we got a five-yard out when it should have been a negative 20 sack that they rolled out for five seconds, and the offensive line kind of stood there and looked at him like, dude, throw it. Get rid of it. You know, and they made something miraculous happen, and that's what everyone wants to see the MVP take home. And the next question is, how does he legitimately work himself into that discussion if you're Kirk Cousins? And, I mean, even if he has a, a, a stellar home stretch here and has five really good games, I think it's still going to take 
those two guys coming back to the pack. Don't they? They have to come back to Kirk Cousins a little bit. In other words, we need to see a drop off from Lamar Jackson right. and a drop off from Russell Wilson. And Kirk Cousins probably needs to take it to even another level than what he's played to to this point for us to legitimately say that he's in the MVP discussion. I mean, if, think about it. You're going to get what you want in two weeks when Seattle plays the Vikings. True. Beating you know, Russell I mean, Wilson will help. Put his that's name. a huge thing. Yeah. And not only that, it's going to be huge because it proves again that he can win in a primetime game. And that's another thing that the MVP has to do. He has to keep his recognition through the entire season. It can't be like, hey, listen, dude, the first 12 weeks were great. The last five, ah, a little skittish. Here's your MVP. Like, it's, dude, you have to maintain your focus and you have to keep ascending towards the top. And like you said, you might need a little help from those guys to get pulled back a little bit, but you're going to get exactly what you want in two weeks. And if we're being real, Alex, if we're being really real about really real. about MVPs, the real MVP of the Vikings is Dalvin Cook. Like if, if we're oh, talking, yeah. if we're discussing anybody <laughs> being in the NFL MVP discussion from the Minnesota Vikings, yeah. it's Dalvin Cook all day. Agreed, one hundred percent. And but the problem is, you know how the MVP race is going to roll. It always rolls down to the guy who holds the ball like that. And if it were a real MVP race, I think Dalvin Cook is a serious contender to win it. I think he is one of those guys that when you look Agreed. at the, the way it's not, and it's not only the fact that this offense rolls through him because there's a lot of teams that do that now. The Cowboys are a team like that. And to me, Zeke's really not even really had to prove it this year. People are just so afraid of it that they're like, well, we don't want to see it get started, so we're not even going to try to get it started. But when you talk about Dalvin, how many teams have come in here and he's gone on the road and have tried to stop him that he has just made look silly? And a lot of it is the missed tackles, the fact that he can just run people over, the fact that when he hits that sideline, he becomes so explosive and so quick. I've never seen a guy take the corner so fast that the teams just give up. They're like, dude, don't even try it. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> right. I mean, I, th- I think to the Lions game where I look, I remember the cornerback ran up and he was like, not even a chance, I'm going to try this. And he just let him run right around him. Yeah, because even if you even if you get the right angle and get to the point where you could bring him down, he's going to drop that shoulder and that helmet and make you think about bringing him down the next time. Absolutely. He's going to make you pay, and he's going to want every yard. I mean, he's hungry for it. But that's why I say, if you are really talking about a real MVP race, he would be in serious contention because of what he does to defense. It's the threat that he is on the field as a single player. He doesn't even need anybody in front of him. Listen, dude, just mere people, and I will make the rest happen. Was there ever a guy who just punished you so much or just had the reputation of being so dangerous or maybe crazy that you thought twice that you gave the Brian Urlacher story before, but that was more reverence of like, man, this guy's hall of famer. Was there ever a guy? I remember I used to work with uh, Gary Ellerson. He played uh, running back for the Packers when I was in Wisconsin and he talked about, he played in the eighties. He talked about when they were taking on Lawrence Taylor and the giants and in the film room leading up to the week, his offensive coordinator said, Gary, we're, we're not going to ask you to block Lawrence Taylor. We're going to slide the protection and put an extra tight end over on that side. You worry about the other side. And Gary said, that was the best news I got my entire football career because I wasn't, and I quote, going to block that joker anyways. <laughs> like, he, he just wanted nothing to do with Lawrence Taylor. Was there a guy like that who, like I said, either just through reputation or through past experience, you, you had to think twice before going head-to-head with him? I mean, there's a lot of guys that when you think about the reputations, I mean, I played in a division with Aaron Donald twice a year. There was always guys talking like, dude, did you find his weakness yet? (laughs) When you find it, you call me first, okay? Let me be numero uno. There were guys that, and you know what's so funny is you you, you pay homage to all these guys like the, 
the J.J. Watts and the Aaron Donalds and all this. You don't think about the guys like the Kevin Williams. You know, Kevin Williams was a big name here, and I know he's a big name for a while, but he, when he was older, it kind of slipped because then Aaron Donald came on. So he's kind of like the generation before the Aaron Donald. But you think about guys like that, and you would be like, oh, man, Kevin Williams is there. But then all of a sudden, Kev was giving you his best, and you were like, dude, what is going on? You're supposed to be a step down. So those were the guys that you really had to be aware of. It was the guys that would sub in. Because you were like, listen, there's not a lot of film on them, and they have some moves that are super killer, and they're always well-rested. So they're always going to bring the best that they have. So it wasn't so much like, oh, my God, you know, like a Justin Smith. I used to practice against Justin, and I hated it because he was so tough. And, I mean, I remember at times he would pick guys up and just body slam them. And it was only for the simple fact that Harbaugh pissed him off about something. He's like, you know what? <laughs> He's taking it out on you. Dude, it was times where, you know, it was, it was funny. I mean, and Jim would, you know, he'd poke the bear. And all of a sudden, he'd be like, oh, yeah? Okay. He'd run out there the whole line and be like, oh, God, here we go. Everybody be putting their mouth guards back in, strapping it up. Like, he'd be like, all right, let's go. Would you see where he'd line up? He'd be like right over Staley, right over Mike. And he would just bring it dude and you were like god but you know who uh alden was another one alden alden smith, smith one of those guys man he was real quiet but man when he got fired up you were like dude it's gonna be a long practice today and then all of a sudden they were like best on best and you're like god really <laughs> here we go dude i mean there was there were seriously maybe practices in training camp with the 49ers that were harder than any game i ever played in because of justin and alden that were just you know, you'd be in the middle of training camp and tensions would rise. You'd get emotional. All of a sudden, Harbaugh would be like, do it again. And then the defense gets super pissed. And then Vic would rile him up. That you, It was like, man, these guys were intense. All right. The other question I had for you about Kirk Cousins, something I discussed with Sage yesterday here on uh, Purple Daily. There was an article in SI laying out the case that we are on the verge of, if not the beginning of, a quarterback drought in the NFL. When you look at some of the guys who have retired over the last few years, guys who have been injured and, and left the game or just aren't the same anymore, and then you look at some of the quarterbacks who are at the age where you got to think they're, they're considering retirement, and there's a handful of those that we're about to see a void or a drought at the quarterback position. A, do you believe that's true? And if so, why do you think that's happening? Do we just have a dearth of talent at the quarterback position, or are defenses catching up? No, I think there's absolutely... A little bit of a drop in the talent. I mean, think about it. All these rookie quarterbacks coming in now. And you got to think, if you're a rookie professional quarterback, you're still a professional, so you're expected to play at a professional level. Why is it that when these guys come in, everything turns to a five-yard out route? Why is it that everything turns to a quick mesh route or a quick slant? Like, everything is just so, we're not going to open the offense. Mm -hmm. Why? Why are we not opening the offense? We really don't have this much faith in a quarterback. And then all of a sudden it steps back to me thinking, the hell's going on at the college level like why all of a sudden is this going bad why all of a sudden are these all these quarterbacks coming in that you think are great oh it's because they only play one year and then they get drafted dude you have to have a serious body of work to look at somebody and go that is what i want for the franchise i mean that's a big decision and who are we going to roll it i even look back to philly and i think man they had to make a really tough decision and nick Foles or Carson Wentz, and I hate to be like the guy to make that decision, and I'm sure they're like, hey, listen, we made the right decision, and we're rolling how we're rolling, but you're right. There is a huge drought in the ability of quarterbacks that are coming into this league, and you can see because there's so many injuries in the league that a lot of these teams have become so one-dimensional and so easy to pick apart that you're just like, God, the defense is keeping this team like in the playoff hunt. Now, that being said, 
the Vikings face uh, a dilemma this coming offseason with one year left on Kirk Cousins' contract. Some speculate that if they want him around beyond that one year, that those are talks that they'll have in this coming offseason. That's the way business is usually done in the NFL. With everything that you just said about a lack of talent and and developed talent that's NFL-ready around the league right now, does that play into how you handle Kirk Cousins moving forward? Is he more valuable to you than he might be in other NFL eras because there is so little talent at the quarterback position? Or do you think you can find somebody else to plug in and do what a Kirk Cousins does at a cheaper price? No, I think it absolutely. I, I mean, dude, there's so many questions that, like, that follow that question. It depends on a lot of the metrics that we've already talked about. If Stefanski's your guy going forward, let's just say Kev's the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Kev, congratulations, you're the HC. Love it. Boom. Where are you doing? You're keeping Kirk, clearly, because they have a great relationship, right? So going forward, all of a sudden, you're just going to extend him based on the fact that he has a great relationship. Like You're not even like, hey, we're in a drought. Now you say, hey, listen... Kevin leaves and, say, Clint takes the job and Mike's still the head coach. You say, hey, listen, we are in a drought, and this guy has done some phenomenal things, assuming he's going to keep doing what he's doing going forward. They're going to absolutely extend him based on the fact that, hey, listen, he's a great quarterback here, and there aren't a lot of them floating around right now. Like, the ones that aren't, dude, there are none. And everybody's looking for the next guy. There's a lot of teams, like you said, that have guys that are close to retirement, and they're like, who's the next guy? We're looking. I mean, you obviously saw Tua got hurt this last weekend, which is going to be a blow to somebody's picks. But I think that, yeah, you keep him based on the fact that there's a drought, and he's doing some really, really nice things right now. He's going to get a raise, though. I mean, that's yeah. that's the way that the NFL works. He, he, he doesn't come up. back at the same price, and definitely not at a lesser price. You're going to have to pay Kirk Cousins more than the $28 million guaranteed that you're already giving him. And that's I think that's that's going to rub some Vikings fans the wrong way if he doesn't continue to play at this very high level that we've seen for six or seven weeks now, or maybe even better. It, it, it doesn't, there isn't a lot of logic behind it sometimes, but the way people look at the NFL and professional sports at large, Alex, is the more you're getting paid, the more production I want out of you. And if Kirk Cousins is going to get a raise, damn it, he better be a better quarterback than he was in 2019. It's it's going to be more pressure mounted onto the shoulders of Kirk Cousins and and whether it's Rick Spielman or whoever decides to make that decision to sign him to this new contract, they they're going to be under the they're going to be under the microscope and it's it's either going to be really good or really bad for them moving forward. I think wait, I have a question though. Do you going you, you know that, like, when you're a professional athlete, you're expected to love the pressure. Like, it's supposed to be the thing that, like, fuels you. So when a guy gets paid more, yeah, there's a lot of pressure that comes with it, but that's just the nature of the game. As a player, you should welcome that. Listen, sure, absolutely. Want... I'm not saying Kirk Cousins no, no. should hide from it. No, I agree, but I think that people say, you know, that's an unfair assessment to put a lot of pressure on him because he makes a lot of money. No, that's what a professional athlete does. Like, I don't watch professional sports to watch amateurism like it's not amateur hour like you if you flip on bad tape in a coach's film he's gonna be like dude what is this amateur hour like he's gonna laugh at you like they were like listen we expect you to do this at 100 miles an hour 60 times a game 100 percent of the time like this is how it has to be all the time so yeah with more money comes more responsibility comes more pressure but also seller cap goes up every year we all know that so eventually True. all these these contracts are going to continue to keep going up and up and up until I don't know, maybe the next CBA comes up and all of a sudden somebody's like, yo, listen, we're going all the way back down. Like, there's, there's, there's so many things that go into this, but looking at it from a broad scale, yes, because of the quarterback drought, I'm bringing Kirk back. I like what he's done so far. I think that he gets a lot of things 
They're, where there's, they throw a lot of smoke and a lot of fire on him because they, you know, obviously his contract is as high as it is, but also because there are times where in primetime games where you need your quarterback to step up who's making that money, he hasn't. And so they're like, hey, listen, what are we doing? You're paying this guy a lot of money. He hasn't gotten you to the playoffs. Now, if he gets you to the playoffs this year and takes you deep in there and hopefully to a Super Bowl and wins it, Dude, now oh, you're then you got to pay him. Dude, you, don't, you don't have any choice. You have zero. Like if I'm thinking that if they go into the NFC Championship, they're like, "Hey, listen, Kirk, you've been great. Let's do this again. Let's have some fun." But now here's another question. He's already signed a three year deal, fully guaranteed, and he's if he takes you, if you're signing him to an extension, that's assuming he's already taking you into the playoffs, deep, 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 or one at all. What's the next one look like? Because I know people are saying Pat Mahomes is going to get $200 million. Kirk Cousins takes you deep into the playoffs and wins you a Super Bowl. Boy, that's going to be looking awfully close to that. Because he's like, hey, listen, I already got the three years. You 90. think he sets the market again? Dude, I think that... <laughs> I think Pat Mahomes should wait to sign his deal because you've got to think Kirk Cousins is smart. And for as many as people have been like, oh, this guy, dude, he's made a fortune. Oh, and yeah. So now he's like, hey, listen, the price only goes up, like you said. If you're signing me to an extension to stay here, the price has gone up, and I want more years tacked on. By the way, the last one was fully guaranteed. I want this 200% guaranteed. Like, Be- I want more. Because when, when he was playing on franchise contracts, for, I think it was for three years with the, the Washington Football Club, like, when you're, when you're in that situation and you're Kirk Cousins, you don't like it because you want the long-term security and the guaranteed money that comes with a, a multi-year contract. But, Alex, if, if you get out of that unscathed and, and uninjured and you move on, you made as much money in those three years as you were probably going to anyways and probably as much as most quarterbacks around the league made in that window. So he has made a fortune. It wasn't an ideal situation in which he did it, but he walked out of there he walked out of there pretty good in Washington given given the way that the situation played out, don't you think? Absolutely. And that's and people are always like, dude, that's a lot of money for one year, but you're remembering that's one year. Like that could right. be the last year you ever play football. And that's where that's where I always have a problem with the fans kind of stepping over the boundaries because it's like, listen, man, if you're willing to risk your future on one year, like, hey, listen, 16 games, I got to be healthy. And after that, I don't care. I'm just healthy. And he did that for three years. He had to go In game to game. He had to go game to game just going, man, I hope I can stay healthy and get this guaranteed money for three years, for 48 football games and, play, and playing for a terrible organization. Yes, terrible. And Terrible the, organization. But the only way that that works out is you walk away unscathed, clean, and healthy. And he did that. And when 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 you look in hindsight, he 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 walked away. Like I said, sitting pretty with yeah. quite a bit of money that he made over those three years. So and and if you're looking into the future, you're like, man, if he continues to do what he's doing right now, like yeah, we're talking about the MVP. He should be in the conversation. He's doing great. He's having a fab year. But, man, all of a sudden he's going to turn around and go, hey, listen, guys, I like it here, you like it here. I'm not wondering. And I'm just, listen, this thought just came to me, so don't judge me. All right. I'm not wondering if they're like, hey, Kirk, we want to sign you to a deal. Who do you want to be the head coach? Boom. Oh. Like, listen, I get it. Aaron Rodgers gets paid a lot of money. He's 
a minority owner of a basketball team. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. Dude, you, that's, you're an owner. That's a level of wealth that you're not an a lot of quarterbacks have reached. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's incredible. Like that's you true. and Tom Brady are the only two. You're talking like Kirk Cousins could be like, I want part ownership of this team. Like, dude, I want to take the, and all of a sudden it's like, well, who do you want to be the head coach? Well, I wonder how much, I wonder how much he paid for that and how much of that was just a, 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 a PR move to have Aaron Rodgers as one of the oh, faces huge, of the Bucks. Huge. PR as you're trying move. to build a, fa- a fan base in, in Milwaukee where you had largely lost it at the time when he did that. People lost their damn minds though. They were like, Aaron Rodgers is in. I'm in. Like people, yeah, people were not on the Bucks bandwagon fully yet at that point. And Aaron Rodgers got it. They were like, yeah, I'll follow. I'll follow it's that great. dude wherever but he goes. You think about like talking about a guy like that. You don't think that they picked his brain like, hey, listen, you know, and I know that people talk about these, these rifts between him and the head coach and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I believe all that because when you're paying somebody that much money, their input is extremely important to you. Like, hey, listen, for we, sure. We pay you half of the salary cap. Who do you want to be the head coach? Who do you, in your eyes works best with you? Like, who do you want to help reinnovate this offense? That's why I'm saying if, if after this year, I mean, it's going to be just, it's going to be crazy because at the same time while you're like, hey, listen, I don't think it could happen now that I think about it because if you, if you do extend Kirk, you're deep into the playoffs, you're going to bring Mike back and you're not going to ask Kirk. But in, in a weird situation, you know, that's when you're starting to talk about like, man, this dude could, he could take this team definitely very far. He's a hell of a quarterback, and especially when he can get his composure about him. Even when everybody's trying to hit him and coming after him and there's hands in his face. I mean, the dude takes a lot of lickings for throwing some great balls. Alex, have you looked at the, the schedule for Week 12 in the NFL and tried to figure out what you're going to watch with no Vikings to watch? Because there isn't a lot to pick from. I've been During the commercial breaks, I've been going over the NFL Week 12 schedule. Okay, game tonight. You got Colts and Texans, two six and four teams fighting for supremacy in the AFC South, but listen to the noon games on Sunday. This, this is what you have to choose from if you're a subscriber to the NFL ticket, NFL Sunday ticket on Sunday at noon. You got Bucks, Falcons, Broncos, Bills, Giants, Bears, Steelers, Bengals, Dolphins, Browns, Panthers, Saints, Raiders, Jets, and then here's the game that you might want to watch at noon on Sunday. It's Seahawks and Eagles, and the only other one on the docket for noon Sunday is Detroit at Washington. That is a garbage slate of noon games on Sunday. Every game there is either two bad football teams or one good football team and one bad football team, and it probably shouldn't be close. No, a lot of 13-10 to 10 games there. Boy, that is going to be tough. Well, I mean, I'm going to have to watch the Seattle game. Okay. <laughs> now, that's, three, what, that's three, about it. 325, business picks up a little bit. You got Cowboys and Pat and, and uh, oh, Patriots. That should be a, be a good one. Oh, and then yeah. at 720 Sunday night, Packers and Niners. That's one yeah, that obviously wouldn't. Vikings fans will be watching closely. And Monday night is all right. It's Ravens at Rams. But, man, from noon until 3 on Sunday... There just is nothing to watch. I might I might fire up Disney Plus and uh, catch up on my Star Wars, Alex Moon. That might be what I'm doing Sunday at noon. Dude, I'm, I don't blame you. I, I think you're right. I think until you get to that Patriots game, because well, that game's going to be so fun to watch. But I think that that Monday night game's going to have a little bit more juice than you think it will because the Rams know they have their back against the wall. They have to do something this week. But you also got a Ravens team that's flying super high right now. I think the X Factor is Aaron Donald. If he shows up in this game and starts to wreak havoc like he can, like a Jadavian Clowney did against the Niners, dude, you could be looking at a whole different team. Is Aaron Donald the guy to stop Lamar Jackson, though? Because you need some speed to chase down Aaron Donald and take away those edges. Dude, 
Aaron Donald is he can do it all, man. He's incredible. I mean, I watched you tried him. to block him. I believe you. I I can't remember. Was it the Cleveland game that they showed a highlight that the guy literally couldn't even get out of his stance, and Aaron Donald was past him. I think it was Joel Patino. <laughs> I do remember that. Now that you mentioned it, yes. I do remember watching that game funny. and seeing that. It was That's funny amazing. because I used to tell people he could move so fast you could blink and he was gone. Because I swear to God, there was a time that one time I saw him and I blinked and he was gone. And I was like, my God, if I guess wrong, my quarterback's dead. Thank God I guessed right. Guys you know? guys with that size and that frame and that build are not supposed to have no. six packs. That's just yeah. not that's not supposed to happen. That's not part of human biology. I don't I don't know where this guy came from. I don't know what stone he was carved from, but he defies biology. He defies basic human biology with his body and the way that it moves. It's amazing. And he can get so low to the ground without having to touch the ground. Like I've seen him bend. You're like, dude, I could not have touched the ground. He somehow got through there. I don't know. I have no clue. Just keep going. I, I'll tell you this. That Sunday night game, the narrative coming out of that Sunday night game is whichever team lost was a fraud. Because both the Packers and the 49ers have had some Pretty cakewalk yep. type of schedules, and I think both team, both fans are looking and pundits are looking at that one and going, "Who's going to be exposed?" When really it's probably just two good football teams, and somebody has to lose. I agree. I think they're both at the top right now, and whoever loses, it's going to be a good game. I can say that. But if the Packers' defense doesn't show up, it's not going to be good for them. That's Alex Boone, former Vikings offensive lineman. I'm Rami Makhlouf, filling in for Matthew Collar the last two days on Purple Daily. If you missed any of it, go and check out the podcast at the Score North mobile app, Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get podcasts. This was fun, Boone. I'll talk to you next time, bud. Cannot wait. Thanks, babe. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.